It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Consider this. Someone takes control of your mind and regresses you to your baby years and then takes advantage of you. Shocking, isn't it? Worse still when it's a Catholic priest. Dimna Farrell from County Mead has been longing to tell her story. And recently I went to visit Dimna in her home. And she opened up to me about a shocking scenario that developed in her life. Here's her chat and it begins by Dimna telling us about her family situation, which became another nightmare. Very happy family. Of course we had ups and downs. My son was a prodigy. He was reading the papers and everything at two years of age and he required a lot of attention. I did all I could for him. Very happy family. Of course we had ups and downs. My son was a prodigy. He was reading the papers and everything at two years of age. And he required a lot of attention. I did all I could for him up until the age of 13 where he got into Trinity College and he studied mathematics and computer science. And he had two degrees and two masters by the time he was 21. Incredible. And schools had no time for him. No time whatsoever. Get out, nuisance, really, really very, very hard on them altogether. The two girls went through life no bother? Yeah, they were, they were fine. Mm. They, they were two nurses, they went into nursing. Now your husband Matt, he was a fine man and a good husband and oh. uh, supported you all through life. What happened to him? He, he became ill. I, unfortunately was ill at the time he became ill. So I didn't understand his illness. I didn't understand anything. I did at times when I'd come back to myself. I was hypnotised into being a baby by a priest. How did that happen? How did you come into contact with the priest in the first place? Why did you go near him? Oh, why did I go near him? Was right. A friend of mine was going to him. He was a healing priest. And she said to me, would you come up with me on a Saturday morning? And, I, and it was the first Saturday in September, 1989. And I said, yes, I'll go with you. So I went up with her. That was the end of my life. 
the worst thing I ever did. A friend of yours went to this priest and she asked you to come along with her. Mm. For what reason? Did you want to see him at all or did you want to engage with him or did you just go along to keep her company or had you any issues yourself? No, I just wanted to go to confession. Simple as that because I would have been at the time. I haven't been to confession for a long, long, long time. But um, that time I used to go to confession regularly. And I just thought it'd be nice to go to open confession just to see what it was like. I said to the friend of mine on the way home, he was not that nice. She was telling me how nice, how good, how such great healing powers he had. And I said, well, I didn't think he was that nice to me at all. I said, well, I know Jesus was there because I felt a kiss on my cheek. And she set me up, for God's sake. That was Father X, I call him, because I didn't feel his presence. I didn't feel his physical presence. He was on his knees when I came round when I opened my eyes. He was down on his knees beside me, so obviously it was him. So he kissed you on that first encounter? Yes. Why did you go back if you didn't like him and then you... Realise from I your friend want, that it was him. I want to find out for sure, was I wrong or was it, was it him? So back you go to him, on your own or in company? With, with that friend, again. OK, back with her. And the year we're talking about is 1989. That's right, September 1989. So what happened on the second visit? Oh, he was uh, an absolute, like, saint. A complete different man altogether kind gentle unbelievable but he was really nice so any Saturday that she was going back which was most Saturdays she went up to see him and I went with her and then he said to me you know you need to come visit me in my apartment he was in an apartment at the time and I used to go up to see him in the apartment. On your own? Went up with her, with her at first, and she waited for me. And he was just very kind and gentle and everything. He used to say to me, unless you open your eyes and look into my eyes, I can never heal you. I absolutely did not want to look into his eyes. But one day I was just speaking about something... That was possibly in the media or something at the time. And I happened to look at him. I can honest to God swear before God if I was to die this second. A ray of light, bright light, brighter than you can ever imagine the sun to be. Coming from him and myself going towards him. And with all my might I tried to pull back because I felt I was being enveloped by him. And I kept going in and out of progressions from that time on. And therefore then my husband, we became like strangers, like really my children. I didn't understand my children either. I didn't know who they were. So this priest, with the powers that he had, when you first looked into his eyes, took control of you to the detriment of the relationship between you and your husband and your children, your family. When he got control of you that first occasion, 
had he got you from the off there, was it not possible to walk away? Looking back on this, I don't know. I don't feel it was. A detective that I spoke to said if there was a crowd of 2,000 in a room, he would have been able to pick you out. They have the power to sniff you out. They know who's the vulnerable one. So I obviously was a very vulnerable person at the time. I had worked extremely hard with my children and my son to get him all the that he needed for his education to get him in somewhere into the educational system, which worked. Possibly I was searching to um, heal myself of all the stress I'd gone through with the years of uh, working for my son, then trying to give attention to my two daughters, and then my husband and problems he had with the farm. Okay, so you were vulnerable on a number of fronts and you were looking for something to heal. But this priest took real advantage of that vulnerability. How frequently were you going to see him? Every week. For how long? For four and a half years. And it started that time with a peck on the cheek, but quite quickly things changed. Yes, because after, I can't remember how many visits, he said to me, you know, you're not a person that should be in the church waiting for me. You need appointments. So he made appointments for me to meet him in his apartment. Privately and on your own? Privately and on my own. He took control of your mind? He took control of my whole being, my soul. He stole my soul. That's the way my husband put it. And he he definitely did. I was not myself. I was just like a child. He said, you weren't looked after properly. You weren't fed properly as a child. You need to be reborn, start off again. And he changed my name. And he said I was no longer Dimna. That was gone. He gave me a new name. What did he call you? He called me Law. Uh, later on, in the visits, he called me Ress. So I was Law Ress. So when I would be back home, it was the adult side of me and the inner child side of me. And it takes a psychologist, a psychoanalyst, to understand what happened. Psychiatrist said to me, she said, of a division between the inner child and the adult. And And he was playing on your vulnerability and regressing you to that child. Inner child. What did he do to you? I didn't feel anything like being an adult. This was not an adult relationship, I can honestly say. There were bits of me would come back for seconds and... Like when he started touching me, feeling my bottom, I would jump away from on, my, on the couch. But that, I think, was seconds that the adult worked. And then I'd move back towards him and he'd start playing around with me again. You know, just feeling my breasts, feeling my body. But I didn't feel at the time that I had breasts. I didn't feel... My body felt like as if it was a baby. 
there were no sexual desires or inclinations or whatever you like to call it happening within my body. But I can honestly say that there certainly was something happening with him. So when you went for help afterwards, all this was became apparent to you and you understood yeah. that there was two yous. There was the adult woman yeah. and there was the child when you were with him. He so touched I, you inappropriately on your breast, on your yeah. bottom, all over. Yes, and he used to go kiss me in a frenzied fashion. But then he'd get up at times and bend over and hold on to himself. So when I look at it from an adult's uh, way, I felt that that was sexual gratification that he was getting. Can you remember, did he ever have full sexual relations with you? No. I would prefer he actually killed me. I would have much preferred if he had actually done something that I could go and show someone. The scar, the wound, the evidence, but I didn't get that. When he decided to finish with me, he stamped on the ground, he roared, he screamed, he shouted at me. He just suddenly turned on me like a wolf. So I wrote to him and I said, you have me caught in a trap. I am unable to get out of it. I thank God that he ended it with me. After how many years? Four and a half. Were you able to function as a mother and a wife during the time you were in the behest or behold of this priest? No, not from then, from when I went to see him, and not until the last, really the last year, I have come back to myself more. I still have to go to see the psychiatrist. Matt found out about it. Did you ever talk to your children about it? I did in later years, yeah. They had lost me, and when they lost their dad, I was lost to them as well. Because when when Matt was buried, Lord of mercy on his soul, I could have buried, it sounds terribly disrespectful, but it could have been a cat or a dog or anything. I was no more there with it. I, I left the church, the priest asked everybody, to stay in the seats, not to come up to shake hands with me, that I wasn't well, and he allowed me to exit through the vestry, mm. and I went out and got into the car and went home, and I did the very same at the funeral. I could not face people. I could not talk to anyone. Matt passed away. He had pancreatic cancer a couple yeah. of years after the abuse had ended, but you were still in the grips of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100% in the grips of us. I used to ring him up to see would he see me. And I went up with Matt one day to his mass in the hopes that he was going to do something to to heal me. Mm. And when the mass was over and he went up to the altar and he asked him would he, would he bless me. He walked down in all his vestments, down couple of seats down to where I was, as if he had never seen me in his entire life, said a couple of prayers over me and walked off. And I was like a child saying, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And he never looked back, he never, he just kept going, as if to, 
to let all of the people that were remaining in the church say, oh, God help them, you know, mm. to put the sort mm. of people he has to put up with. So how did you ever, or have you ever, even to today, got away from him? I try. I pray to St. Michael Archangel every day. Every time he comes into my mind, I just don't entertain anything about him. Now, you did take up your case with the church authorities. Yeah. And, and did they do anything for you? Well, they sent me to one psychiatrist that was as bad as the priest that I had gone to mm. because he was doing this, carrying out the same form of regression therapy on patients. Did the church pay for this treatment for you? Did they help you financially they in paid, any way? They paid and still pay for the treatment that I need, but they never paid for my medication, which was not available on the health system, the medical card or that. And up to last year, I paid out 30000 and I ended up having to sell our house. What about the priest? Is he still alive? Somebody told me he was retired. And was he ever removed from practising as a well, priest? Well, the, the, the bishop told my children that he was taken out of ministry for a year and sent to Canada for treatment. You could have taken a case against the Dublin Archdiocese. Yes. Why didn't you? Because when I went to his sister, he told me, you can lose your house, you can lose everything, everything. And I had no backup, no backup. It was your word against his? My word against his, and nobody would back me up in the medical profession, in the legal profession, or any, anywhere. It was wrong to criticise the priest. Mm. That was 1989. Mm. That man should never, ever have been allowed to carry on from the time I reported it because he told me he had 13 children, that I was the baby, and he had 13 other children. And he said, I have one, and she has anorexia. And I go to visit her, and the only light in her life is when I enter the room. She lights up, and after I leave, then, you know, what he just said, poor thing, she's going to die. So you weren't the only woman? No, there were many more. Who went through what you've been through? I know that you used to talk to someone on the phone and the name was Mo. He'd say, hello, Mo. I was law, so he obviously had someone else called Mo. How do you feel about him sitting here today all these years later? Well, he's robbed me of my life. My children, when they were coming in to do just the adolescence and... Um, he robbed them. They said that, oh, Mum, you always had the dinner on the table for us. But when we came home, there was no dinner. My dad was ill. What they went through, they were very young at the time. Mm. And I think it took years for them, and I don't think they're really over it yet either. What would you like 
to see happen at this stage of your life? What would help you in your later years? Well, I'm on uh, medication and I'd love to be able to be able to come off all of my medication. And I'm old now, you know. I've lost all the good years from 43. I've lost up until the last six months. I've had many different things happen to me. I fell down the stairs with medication that I took and... I broke my shoulder, had to get a shoulder replacement. I fell another time and I split the back of my head and I had to get eight stitches. Children never knew what they were going to come home to. There's been no justice for you? No. Will there ever be justice? <sighs> the next world. It doesn't seem like it in this world. The next world. I I just hope to God that if there is still someone alive that he has done this to, can hear what I have said, to know that they're not on their own. I have suffered the same. I've gone through the same trauma. we leave it there today. Thank you for telling us your story. It hasn't been easy, but I appreciate it. Thanks very, very much. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.